that song, How Great Are You, Lord, I felt overcome with emotion. And I thought, you know, if you were to ask just about anybody in this room to look over the, the different people here, people who've come from backgrounds of all, all manner of backgrounds. I mean, prisoners and addicts and uh, just atheists. And they probably wouldn't say that, you probably wouldn't think right off the bat that someone like me would feel just as grateful as all the rest, you know. But I was. I was feeling that. And I was thinking of the times in my life where I was just as lost as the most lost person ever was. You know? And thinking of the little things God used to draw me and to, to heal me and to cleanse me and to forgive me and finally to plant me and to start growing me. And I thought of how, you know, in Psalms 1 it says, Blessed is the man who does not sit in the seat of the scoffer, nor stand in the way of sinners, but whose delight is in the law of Yahweh. For he shall be like a tree planted by the water, whose fruit will never fail. And there's something rose up in my heart that said, God, don't let my fruit fail. Don't let my fruit, don't let what you expect from me ever not be there when you come looking, you know. And I thought of the story of... Um, very familiar story of when Simon the Pharisee invited Jesus over for dinner and uh, there in Luke 7 and Jesus was reclining at his table and suddenly this type of person who wasn't a Pharisee but had almost as much need for God as the Pharisee burst through the door and is just spilling her guts in repentance at the feet of Jesus and Simon was disgusted and so on and so forth. And uh, even Judas thought it was pretty awful. And Jesus asked Simon a question. He said, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, say it, teacher. He said, a money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and, one, and the other 50 denarii. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? And I thought of that, how some of us, the fruit on our life, you could say, well, maybe I'm only a 50 denarii Christian. And others of us, you say, now that's a, that's a 500 denarii Christian. That's somebody who knows what they've been forgiven of. And I read the this, this story today in Luke, before the meeting in Matthew, I mean, Matthew 18, where Jesus talks about the, um, the forgiveness and he tells about the, the master who, who called his slaves to settle accounts and it says that he told the, the slave that he was going to be sold, his wife was going to be sold, his children were all going to be sold into slavery to settle the balance that he owed. But he fell down at, at the feet of Jesus and he pleaded with him and he didn't say, Lord, I can't do it. Please forgive it. He said, Lord, give me a chance. And I'm going to repay every penny that I owe. And I thought of that when Sister Billy was speaking. Just give me a chance to show someone else what I've been through myself. 
God, just give me a chance. And so then this slave goes and he owed the, what the, the Bible says was the equivalent in our day of over a million dollars. And yet he was owed the equivalent of about three and a half dollars by somebody else. And that was all he could see. Here he's just been forgiven a million dollars, but he's obsessing over the three and a half dollars that somebody isn't paying him on time. And so he, he grabs him and he tells him, you know, throw him in prison until you pay every penny. And it says that the other servants were greatly distressed by this. And they went and told the Lord what had happened. And you know what he said. He told him, he handed him over to the torturers until he should pay everything he owed. And Jesus said, so will my heavenly father do to you if you will not forgive as you've been forgiven. And I thought, God, forgiveness isn't just saying I forgive you for this deed or that. Forgiveness is living back the love in our $3 portions that's been so poured out in our life in million-dollar quantities. And something, again, rose up in my heart that said, Lord, maybe I don't have much, but I am going to squeeze out everything I've got. Amen. I'm going to give it not because, not because I, it's something special for me to give, but because I've been forgiven so much. Amen. And I, again, I thought of another story. It's the story we talked about it earlier this week of when it says that Jesus came into a synagogue and the Pharisees were watching him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath. And they had their protocol and they had their expectations and they're in a Sunday meeting and they're really watching him to see how is he going to do this. And in walks a man with a withered arm. And Jesus told the man to stand up and come forward. He wanted everybody to see it, to put the, the conflict in perspective. And he's standing there with his withered arm in front of the whole synagogue. And Jesus asks them a question. He says, you tell me whether it is right to do good or to do evil on the Sabbath. And I remember when God spoke to me that the absence of, of working in love. The apathy toward need is not just the absence of good. It is the action of evil. He was telling them that I want to do good to this man, but you just sitting there doing nothing, you're doing evil. Amen. You can't have it. There's no comfort place. You're either going to put yourself at risk. You're either going to set yourself in the center of danger and risk and faith. Amen. To do good or else you're going to be doing evil. Amen. By what you don't do. Amen. And I, I've been thinking of a passage and maybe nobody, maybe everybody already knows this and that's fine, but it was speaking to me and so I want to squeeze out whatever God's given me. But it's, it's uh, Paul has just been speaking in 1 Corinthians 11. He's been speaking about the order. He's, he's talked about the Lord's Supper there at the end. And then he begins the, the 12th chapter by saying, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, 
I do not want you to be ignorant. He's going to be talking about spiritual gifts. Concerning the gifts of the Spirit, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. However the devil got you in your life. I think of the passage where Jonah says, those that cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. And how the King James says, those that regard vain imaginations forsake their own mercy. And how we like to think vanity is just looking in the mirror. But vanity is what we call self-centeredness. Those that are completely eaten up and sucked into the vortex of self are going to forget and forsake the mercy of God that once motivated their life. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So he says, I want to talk to you about spiritual gifts, but we're going to have to remember first that you were once, you were once led astray by your vanity to worship these idols. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And maybe it's just me again, but there's something in us that wants to read this. I want to talk to you about spiritual gifts, brethren, and then just kind of think he got sidetracked and he interjects this section here about confession of Jesus as Lord and idols, and then he goes back to recalling his train of thought. But that's not what he's saying at all. He says, therefore I make known to you, I'm speaking to you about spiritual gifts, and I, I'm trying to tell you that you cannot confess Jesus as Lord. You cannot say, He is Lord in my life, disconnected from the Spirit. And then he's going to tell us how the Spirit operates. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And you can't say he's Lord without those gifts. And there are varieties of ministries, but the same Lord. So now we say he's Lord by the Spirit. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That blessing, that shower of God's presence is to help us, but it is really given for the common good. We're forgiven because God knows other people need to be forgiven too. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. Remember, we cannot say He's Lord except by the Spirit. Amen. Through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the effecting of miracles. And to another, prophecy. And to another, the distinguishing of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the inter interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually just as he wills. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body. 
so also is Christ. Amen. This is Christ. For by one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one Spirit. Amen. For the body is not one member, but many. And then he goes on to talk about if the foot, the foot cannot say, because I am not the hand, I am not part of the body. Every single part has something to give. But he started it all off by saying, without this working of the Spirit, there can be no confession of Jesus as Lord. We cannot just say, He is Lord, until somebody has stepped into our life and brought that immediate, direct, anointed word of the Spirit. Amen. That direct, anointed expression, not representation of the Spirit. And then we're wavering in that moment. We say, God, am I going to? Am I not going to? We say, He is Lord. Amen. And we receive Jesus come in the flesh. We receive our brother, our sister. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And I thought of how he says we're all made to drink of that same drink. And we read this morning from Psalms 23 about how it says, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff are a comfort to me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and it says my cup runs over. Amen. He's just said, I'm going through, I'm with my enemies, I'm in battle, I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, but even in this place, there's an anointing that's pouring over my head, and therefore my cup is running over. Amen. That cup of the Spirit, that cup of refreshing, out of, our, out of your innermost be being will flow rivers of living water. Amen. It will become in you a fountain of living water, welling up unto eternal life. The cup can keep running over. The cup can still be full even in the valley of the shadow of death or even in the presence of my enemies because my head is anointed. And I think of the passage where in Luke 4, Jesus says, he stands up and he takes the scroll and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And how to me for a long time, I couldn't see any distinction between anointing and the power of the spirit working on us. You say, man, that person, when they speak, they have an anointing. But Jesus, he's saying that the Spirit is upon him because there is an anointing. And you look back through all the Old Testament scriptures that speak of anointing, and the consistent theme is that anointing represents sanctification in the sense of setting something apart. Anointing means to designate, amen, to appoint, to, to set apart. The vessels that were used in the temple, they couldn't be used for anything else. They were anointed. They were marked. That's why they often used oil. It was to mark it. It was to set it apart and say this is for this and this alone. And Jesus was saying the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and working through me because I've received that anointing. My, you anoint my head with oil. Therefore my cup runs over. Amen. And for a shepherd who would mark his sheep 
Instead of branding them, they would often mix oil with dye, with a red dye or a blue dye. I don't know the colors, but so they'd take this, this dye and they'd mix it with oil and they'd smear it on the heads of the sheep to give them different designations. This is from this group and that's for that group. Amen. And that was called anointing. Amen. That's what God wants to do for us. Amen. But if those gifts would come out, if that, that expression of the Lordship would be seen in our lives, there's first got to be a setting apart. Amen. There's got to be a designation. There's got to be a willingness in my life, in my heart, in, in every sphere to say, God, i got to draw a line. I've got to pull back. I've got to step aside. I've got to do whatever it takes to have that oil completely saturating the entirety of my head and running down over my body. Because only then is your Holy Spirit, only then is my cup going to start running over. Amen. The Holy Spirit going to start working through me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And I think of how when Paul, he, when he was speaking, it's very similar to what Jonah said about the mercies, you know, forsaking our own mercy. He writes to them in Romans 12. He says, therefore, I urge you, brethren, I insist, I plead with you, I beg, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable, not exceptional, but reasonable form of worship. And he goes on and he says, don't be conformed to this world. Don't be wrapping around. Don't be molding yourself to the systems of this world. But be transformed just by the renewing of your thinking. Amen. By the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. And he's fixing again to talk about spiritual gifts. But he's telling us what's going to stand in the way of it. There's a certain kind of distance that's not set apart unto anointing, amen, unto the Spirit. But it's like, I have something. I feel something burning on my heart. I'm sitting here and I wonder if God is moving on me and to give a word of faith or to bring a word of knowledge or maybe there's a, a prophecy, maybe there's some gift of healing, but there's this, this self-consciousness. There's this vain imagination that I just can't disentangle my thoughts from. And therefore, I'm forfeiting the grace that could be mine. But not only that, I'm silencing the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Spirit for somebody else to confess His Lordship by. Amen. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think soberly with sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, all the members do not have the same function. Even so, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually we belong to one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace that is given to us. Now how am I going to forfeit that grace? By my vanity. By just thinking. By just praying. 
by just being concerned with nothing but myself. Amen. By forgetting the debts that I've been forgiven, thereby missing the chance to forgive those who are indebted to me. Since we have the gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Amen. Since they're so different, we need every single one of them. Let us use them. Let us use them and use them and use them and use them. Amen. Let us use them to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy in accordance with the, with the faith we've been given, if service, let us use it in our service. In teaching, then in teaching. Or he who exhorts in an exhortation. Or he who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. He's just said we have these gifts of the spirits. Use them. Use them, use them, use them. And then he finishes the whole thing by saying, let love be without hypocrisy. Don't be saying, God, you've forgiven me 10,000 denarii. I just love you, brother, but I don't have enough love that would push the gift outside of me. Amen. I love you, brother. I love you too, but I can't stand up in a meeting and open my mouth to give you, amen, the gift of the Spirit whereby you could say, He is Lord, amen. Let love be without hypocrisy. This is the more excellent way that he then talks about in, in chapter 13, immediately after talking about all the gifts. He says, yet I show you a more excellent way, amen. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Even the kind of evil that silence. Amen. When somebody's got a withered arm and you've got what they need. Amen. Amen. Abhor what is evil. Cling to, one, cling to what is good. Be, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Giving preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence. But fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. And I know we've talked about it, but that word fervent, it means to heat and heat and heat until the water in the pot is just boiling over. Amen. It literally means, it can also mean to look down at a sea that's turbulent. God, I'm sitting in this meeting. God, I don't know exactly what your will is, but I've got this love without hypocrisy boiling inside of me. Please, God, show me. Show me where. Show me how. Show me when, Jesus. And suddenly you open your mouth and you're saying something that's not your words. Amen. It's the word of God. And somebody can stand and say, He is Lord. Amen. I had my questions. I had my doubts. But I just heard the voice of the Spirit. I can't say He's Lord except by the Spirit. But I can hear the Spirit speaking to me right now. He is Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And I think of how my dad has so often told me that when God would want to move on us, when God would want to use us, somehow the flesh starts whispering in our ear, doubts arise, and we kink the hose. He said that nervousness or fear, fear of, of, of uh, losing our self-image, it kinks the hose. Amen. So that we stand up in a meeting and our cup is dry. Amen. 
Amen. Something should be bubbling out. Something should be boiling over. But our cup is dry. Amen. For some reason or another, it's become about ourself. And we're clinging to worthless idols, to vain imaginations of what people might think and what might happen and how I might fail. And we kink the hose. Amen. Amen. But God, he wants us to get enough love inside of us to be freed from that fear. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And even when we're walking through a valley, even when we're in the presence of our enemies, amen, our cup can still be bubbling over. Amen. Our cup, I've still got something to give my brothers and sisters. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Amen. The devil, he can be attacking me. He can be twisting me. Amen. But I'm not going to let him get to my water supply. Amen. No matter what's happening, my cup is going to be overflowing. Amen. Because it's not just about me, God. Amen. Somebody here needs to say Jesus is Lord in one more area in their life. Maybe a healing. Amen. Maybe a word of faith. God, let my cup bubble over. Amen. Let me be fervent in spirit serving the Lord. I feel weak. I feel shaky and scared when I stand up here. Amen. There's nothing in my flesh that wants to get up here. Amen. But I look out at you. Amen. And I know you do the same for me. And we say, God, you're worth it. Amen. God, the faith that that brother or that sister needs is worth it. Amen. Unkink the hose, Lord. Amen. I've got something. Amen. Start heating up my cup, God. Let it run over, Jesus. Amen. Somebody needs something today. Amen, God. There has to be some grace for growing. And there is. I mean, who is going to be an Apostle Paul the first time? Amen. Nobody. We've said that. But God, I want to be willing to step out and put myself in the place of unhypocritical love and just let you move. Amen. Just open up. Amen. Just stand up and let it out. And first, it may just be a little spark. Amen. It may just be a little, little splat. Amen. But pretty soon, it's going to be a geyser of faith. Amen. And everybody's going to be wanting to get under the geyser. Amen. Because somebody's letting their cup run over. Amen. Amen. Cups running over are messy things. Amen. They're not real clean and proper. They, they slosh around. Amen. They're running over. Amen but it's living water that's dropping out of them. Amen. I don't want to be so perfect and careful that I can't let my cup run over my brothers and sisters. Amen. God, shake me a little bit. God, move me a little bit. Amen. Get me outside of my comfort zone. I want to splash some water of faith. Amen. I want to get some of your Holy Spirit on my brothers and sisters. Move the cup, God. Open it up, Jesus. Amen. God.